Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 286 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Today we are answering all of your digestive health questions. Well, as many as we can because we had a ton of questions come in on this topic, everything from tackling kids' digestive problems and stomach bugs to chronic constipation to whether this new trend of raw carrot salad is a good idea for your digestive and hormonal health. Yes, this only resonates stronger that there was a true need for us to launch our upcoming program, the Beat the Bloat Live program, which will be launching on April 6th. And we are super excited to share it with you all. It is priced at only $65, which is a true steal. There are going to be three live classes with Becky and myself, and they are spread out from April 6th, April 27th, and May 18th at 7 p.m. Central Standard. These are going to be just over an hour in length, and they're going to walk you through the beginning, middle, and the end of your six-week Beat the Bloat Cleanse. So if you don't know what the Beat the Bloat Cleanse is, This is a six-week protocol that really works to plow or reset your microbiome. And then it's followed by a bacterial rebuild protocol where we really strategically reseed the microbiome to make sure that your gut flora is working for you. Because we know that the microbiome has such an influence on immune health, on nutrient absorption, on mood and mental health, on hormone regulation, and so much more. So if you fit into any of those categories, and especially if you're having digestive disturbances or skin flares, or that food baby in the belly, that bloating and distension that won't let you leave, this is the time to jump into our Beat the Bloat Live program. We will be supporting you guys through a live Slack um, channel. So I guess not live, but a Slack channel that will be basically chat forum oriented. Becky and I log on there uh, about four or five times a week where we make sure that we address your burning questions. And we're the only two moderators. So you're getting direct feedback from Becky and myself to help you to troubleshoot your progress along the cleanse, understand if you need to make any adjustments in supplement strategy, layer in maybe some more detail support or maybe you need more lymphatic support or maybe you need to ramp up some binding fiber if you're having too much loose stools with the cleanse. This is really one of those protocols that has a lot of individualized checks and balances to make sure that you do get optimal outcomes. And this is what that program offers you, that direct access point to Becky and myself and then the three live classes, as well as the most updated version of the Beat the Bloat ebook. And we also, as if that's not enough, are going to give you a discount for members only of this program on our two most digestive relative labs. So our MRT inflammatory food panel and the three-day stool test. And the savings that you'll get on those will like triple the cost of the program anyway. Yes. Um, And this is probably the program we get the most questions, the most feedback, the most 
you know, back when Allie was answering Instagram DMs, now on Patreon, but um, the most questions about like, ooh, this is happening and should I stop my cleanse? And the answer right. is never, we need to stop, but there's always that like pivot and adjust. And this is a way for us to really troubleshoot all of those issues real time with y'all. So we're super excited to have you join us. It starts in about a week. So go on over, grab your spot over at AllieMillerRD.com under books and programs. And if you want to know if Beat the Bloat is right for you, you can take our dysbiosis and candida quiz, which is linked on that page, but I'll also go ahead and link it in today's show notes. Yes. And also, if you know you're going to do it, make sure that you grab our Beat the Bloat bundle so that you have all of the supplements you need to jump in live with our class on April 6th. All right, before we open things up to digestive health questions, let's just have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Fond Bone Broth. Very timely and very gut relevant. Totally. <laughs> so y'all know that we love Fond Bone Broth. They really provide wellness that is well made from their slow simmered and lovingly tendered from simmer to seal bone broths. They are produced exclusively in stainless steel and using well water that is tested for natural minerals and daily tested for excellence. They use sustainable produce from organic farms and they work with regenerative agricultural movements in their sourcing of their meats. And so with their beef, they're using the grass-fed beef bones. And with the chicken bone broth, they're using also the necks, the backs, and the feet to get that nice gelatinous, collagen-rich bone broth that really coats and seals our gut lining. That epithelial lining of the gut is really important to nourish because this is where we absorb all of our nutrients. So when your gut is working for you, your most nutrient-dense food selection will actually be able to be absorbed and you're able to use those nutrients versus passing those through and dealing with chronic nutrient deficiency. We also know that when you give living loving to your gut with bone broth, you support your body's immune system because that GALT, that gut-associated lymphatic tissue lives there, and that's where we see regulation of both our innate and acquired immune response. And we also know that the collagen and gelatin in bone broth can support connective tissue, including hair, skin, nails, joints, tendons. I sip on a jar of Bond bone broth at least five days a week, and I credit a lot of my food as medicine benefits from Fond. Uh, so go on over to fondbonebroth.com, use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout, and that'll save you 15% on your order. You can also go to the website, fondbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD, and that's where you'll see a picture of me, my testimonial, my favorite products, and you'll get the discount through that link. So fondbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD and use AllieMillerRD at checkout. All right, let's kick off with this one because I think it's super relevant, actually, um, because our whole team went down with a stomach bug pretty much, yes. exception of Byron. Um, yes. Both kids, all of us. Um, and the other family we were traveling with, um, questionable. Um, but we got a question about stomach bugs in kids, specifically diarrhea. But let's address both ends of diarrhea and vomiting, um, yes. both the quick fix of like in the moment, what do they need? And then the long game of prevention. 
Yes. So poor Stella, the norovirus has really been going around and we're not sure if that's what hit our households or, you know, some other gut pathogen. But when we're talking about a stomach bug in this capacity, we're talking about usually like a 24 hour or 36 hour gut bug different than chronic dysbiosis. So that's important to first kind of delineate, if you will. Um, And so in this sense, we're really looking to maintain comfort and maintain ample electrolyte balance and prevent dehydration. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what we're looking to do in the world of lifestyle and diet, especially if vomiting, the way it went down with Stella was as I'm carrying her into her car, it, yep, all over me and in the part of the door that was open. So it's this whole process. And of course, it's always stressful for a child to vomit. And so, you know, I was keeping her calm. We jumped in the shower um, and I laid with her in bed that night. We only, we really limit liquids, especially with vomiting, Mm -hmm. diarrhea, you don't have to as much, but with vomiting, you need to limit liquids because that osmosis, that fluid shift when already there's a sensitive projectile-like response um, in the digestive tract, you want to make sure that you don't drive more imbalance and create that purge response. And so we keep two ounce pours of water so that her cup is not empty, but it's never full because otherwise she would start chugging. And actually she did chug that following morning because dad filled her a full Mm -hmm. cup of water and she went running to the restroom and, you know, vomited in the hallway. Um, And so that's the first thing I would say is maintain um, hydration, but limit hydration if vomiting. If diarrhea, you can be a lot more um, loose on your hydration guidelines and get in more. Um, I love bone broth popsicles as a fantastic delivery for both electrolytes as well as something that is cooling and soothing. Now we use bone broth popsicles in in like especially ear, nose, throat and upper respiratory issues. I will say if the stomach is cramping a lot, sometimes the cold won't be as welcomed. So you might kind of kick it off the stick and um, chop it into more of like a slushy and let it come down to room temperature because that cold dynamic, especially thinking with like traditional Chinese medicine, if the gut is in a spasmodic overreactive mode could create a little bit more of that distress to the body. So love the idea of the ingredients in the bone broth popsicle, but would definitely bring that to a more moderate temperature with diarrhea or vomiting. I also would ensure that the child is getting salt, but I wouldn't force feed. So um, I'm thinking on Stella, that first incident of of vomiting happened at like 10 p.m. Then there was another episode at like 8 a.m. And um, we didn't do any food in the belly until 1 Mm p.m. And so, you know, she is nourished. She is well. We're not going to be force feeding her Simple Mills crackers when her body is saying, I just need a rest and a break. We did do right away uh, a SBI Protect capsule and a Rebuild Spectrum probiotic capsule from our Naturally Nourished line and the GI Cleanup capsule from the Naturally Nourished line. And the GI Cleanup is a part of the Beat the Bloat bundle that actually has phagocytotic properties, which eats away to make space for good gut flora. There's some probiotic in that as well. And that can help to get at the biofilms and be more of like a gentle cleanser for children. The uh, Rebuild Spectrum probiotic has the broad multiple strain probiotic. So that also does have some antibacterial, antifungal players like the Saccharomyces boulardii in there, the Planetarium uh, L99, uh, which is really great for the gut distress and leaky gut. Um, so both the Rebuild Spectrum and the GI Cleanup. And then the SBI Protect I've talked about before, that's by Orthomolecular. 
And this is a concentrate of immunoglobulins. So the idea there is that this is priming the gut to recognize this gut bug and create antibody to antigen recognition. So there's more of an learned immune response. And also the SBI protect with those immunoglobulins can be calming to the gut. So those three capsules in just like a teaspoon of honey, enough to just make one spoon worth of a thick, thick, like pretty much just enough honey to make it stick together, mm-hmm. um, was put on a spoon and then just sipping a fluid, monitoring urine output. Um, we definitely, um, like to go, like I said, four to six hours before introducing food with, um, no vomiting. And, um, I generally will wait about eight hours, no vomiting to bring in a protein. We did do some salmon. Um, that's generally my go-to protein choice, um, for, children and adults just because it's easy to digest when there's anything going on in the GI tract and um, sipping on bone broth, trading that out for your water, maybe at like the six hour mark, getting in four ounces or six ounces of bone broth and then going into a little bit of fish. We kept out cruciferous vegetables and roughage for two days just so her belly could reset. And we did do actually some of the Simple Mills crackers with the salmon. So she did have something that was just kind of um, you know, just basic in the flavor profile and kind of stick to her ribs a little bit. We held off on large amounts of fruit, but Stella is such a fruit kid. Um, I worry about the acidity in fruit when we're dealing with diarrhea and vomiting. And so we sliced two strawberries mm-hmm. <laughs> that she got to have in many pieces. And if she was let, you know, ad lib, she could crush 15 strawberries and more and blueberries and raspberries on a typical meal and day for sure. Okay. So that's kind of the short game. Like in the moment, you're surviving it, keeping them hydrated, monitoring them, and you know, getting the supplements in as soon as you've got kind of a reprieve in the vomiting. Um, just working that fluid until you've got that six to eight hours baseline of, yes. of no vomit episodes. Um, and then what about just long game in terms of I guess, rebuilding the gut after a bug um, and then prevention and resilience. Yeah. So one other thing in the short game for diarrhea that I didn't mention is if there was chronic diarrhea or it was lasting more than 24 hours and into that second going on to maybe the full second day, like 48 hour window, I would probably make up some congee. Um, And this is what I would do with bone broth. We can link that in the show notes. Um, Becky and I are both sipping bone broth. We're like, yep, clearing our throats. Um, But yeah, so congee is going to be a slow cooked rice, which has three to four times the amount of liquid of a typical rice to water ratio. And we would use bone broth in that. But that slow soluble fiber warm can often help with the binding. And that I wouldn't use that in the capacity of, of, excuse me, vomiting, but just in the capacity of diarrhea if that was going on. Sure. Yeah, that's a great idea. And then in the long game for resilience, and prevention. Kids Biotic is the go-to to have, you know, two chews daily for most children. Uh, once they surpass 60 pounds, you can absolutely pass them right up into the baseline probiotic capsule. So that's going to be 15 billion instead of the 5 billion that they're getting in the Kids Biotic. Because at that point, you'd want to otherwise have them doing four chews and just the cost actual impact. And also, um, you know, the, the chew is going to be, um, you know, a little bit inferior when we're talking about just a pure capsule. Mm -hmm. when we're trying to get that higher amount. 
Um, and, you know, they may not be at swallowing pills yet at the 60 pound mark. So you could, this could be mixed into a tablespoon of nut butter or into yogurt or just a bite of any kind of food. Um, if we're looking for resilience and our child seems to be susceptible to gut bugs or just immune imbalance, I would keep them rocking with the rebuild spectrum beyond that restore baseline probiotic. So either kids biotic or restore baseline and then layering in that rebuild spectrum, especially during the time when bugs are going around the school, kids are staying home. Great way to give them that insurance of that multi-strain defense. And that's what we'd use both acute and chronically. And then you could bring in if they have, especially dermatitis or IBS-like symptoms of just irregular bowels and their stool just isn't right, this would be a real time to consider the SBI Protect as a regular tool or maybe more appropriately for the long game would be our naturally nourished grass-fed whey, which has those immunoglobulins, um, but it also then has the protein. So this can be used as a meal support, making sure that they're getting that 20 grams of protein per meal and um, a really great way to get other helpful compounds like glutathione, you know, we get antioxidants, we get lactoferrin in the grass-fed way, which you wouldn't get in the SBI Protect. And lactoferrin has been shown to combat gut pathogen. So I think there's a lot of benefit to think of bringing in the naturally nourished grass-fed way for resilience and prevention. And maybe even on the heels of when you're bringing in solid foods, a really great time to bring in some smoothie action. Totally, totally. And bonus for adding a little probiotic in there or maybe some yogurt. We did a lot of yogurt um, with Noah the past couple of days just to kind of rebuild and, and be super gentle. But he was asking for food within like four hours of yep. vomiting. He's like, I'm fine. I don't know what happened. but <laughs> That was weird. Um, yeah, it's weird. Whereas us, we had it a little bit rougher. So um, anything you would tweak in that, I guess, for adults just since we hit well, the topic? Yeah. So I didn't uh, vomit and um, I didn't really have diarrhea either. I had an off gut and I had like three days of stool being not ideal, but I did have one day where I was out where I was having really severe, severe heartburn, reflux, that like acidity in the rib cage and had to like lay down from 5 PM till the next morning and skip dinner. Um, so I did that same kind of like resting my body. I did many scoops of GI lining support through that Mm -hmm. process because again, most what I was feeling was the rawness of it. And unfortunately, being on vacation, I did not have herbal immune, but I did have berberine boost because I always travel with berberine boost for carb cycling and making sure that I'm able to regulate my blood sugar response, Um, especially if I'm doing, you know, higher amounts of wine. We were in wine country. So if I'm doing bubbles or wine, I like to keep berberine boost in the playing field. So I increased my berberine boost to like six that day. And had I been home, I would also have taken the herbal immune at like two to three in that day. And then once you know it's a stomach bug for short term versus dysbiosis, like food, like foodborne illness, like a 24-hour thing, this would be a time to maybe consider activated charcoal as well. Um, this is one that I'd be kind of touch and go about giving to children because of electrolyte imbalance, and that can even impact arrhythmia and cardiovascular health. But if we know it's a gut bug and we need to just kind of bind it and get it out of there, the activated charcoal can definitely be a tool that would be considered. But remember, charcoal does not support the detox process. It's a binder. Mm-hmm. Um, so same thing with like the zeolite clays and things like that out there. Um, you know, this would be really short-term use only, really acute. Right. And if you were taking those other supplements you mentioned, you wouldn't do it at the same time. That's always the tricky dance yeah. with the activated charcoal too. But even doing like a small amount of like charcoal lemonade or, or something like that to just like, you know, get it out of the body could work for, for a small child. 
I didn't have to do it for Noah, but I did take two capsules and keep them down for a couple hours at least. (laughs) (laughs) It did something. (laughs) Yeah. And Stella, we just ran its course within the, you know, 24 hour window. All right. Um, So this question says there's lots of help out there for digestive health for adults, but what about the kiddos? So I guess what would be the caveats, you know, barring aside from a stomach bug, just other um, support that we would bring in for children that's a little bit different than how we approach it for adults? Sure. So if we're talking about you know, leaky gut, where we we believe that there are food sensitivities or an inflammatory response to food. Bowel formation generally is off, so it vacillates maybe from constipation to loose stool, or it's either one or the other dominantly, and it's not a healthy, balanced bowel. Um, This is where we really look at the GI lining support and potentially exploring an MRT test, especially if there is like severe eczema or there is dynamic... um, imbalance with neurological health where we're seeing like delayed speech um, delayed development we're concerned at that point that maybe there's an issue with the blood-brain barrier and that that inflammatory response is interfering with neurological processes so those are the areas where i would say okay definitely i know it's never fun to use needles with children but the mrt lab test can be so beneficial because this is the one that's going to look at 180 foods and chemicals and tell you specifically to that individual what's driving inflammation and yes often we do see gluten and corn and dairy and so you know if you're on the fence about investing in that I would say first things first go 90 days tight 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 with your child like making all their meals talking to the grandparents or whoever else your partner um, about this approach and I would say the first thing I would do is before maybe investing is doing do you agree 90 days of 100% gluten-free 100% corn-free and 100% dairy-free because those are just the three main known drivers and those are larger particles that are known to irritate that gut blood barrier so that would be the first approach and then if we're still not seeing outcomes and we're still seeing dermatitis, um, rashes, flares. Um, that's where then I would look into the MRT test because there are things potentially that they're eating daily that would otherwise be a health food like blueberries or spinach. And this could be driving that inflammatory response. The GI lining support, especially in the population of Crohn's, ulcerative colitis in children, and then again, where I was just kind of noting where we have that known likely leaky gut, um, would also be a go-to formulation. So depending on weight, um, once we pass over the 60-pound range, we can do a full scoop. Um, Otherwise, we're looking at doing like a half scoop of the GI lining support. And then the SBI Protect could also be used, or I would really go for more likely the naturally nourished grass-fed whey. Again, depending on if we've toggled through dairy and then we reintroduce that and see if that's tolerated, you might do in that 90-day window the SBI Protect on its own because it would be fully free of all forms of dairy protein. Um, And then what about use of like digestive enzymes for kiddos? So a lot of these formulas that we talk about all the time actually do have applications in children can't necessarily put them on our website for all of these products um right but kind of off-label use you can use you know digest aid for sure with kiddos absolutely yes so you know we talked about how all of our probiotic capsules are fine starting in infancy you just can open the capsule and that can be mixed into a bottle or you know again once they're eating at at six to seven plus months this could be a bite of food where you mix in a capsule of a probiotic the digest aid i would keep at a half capsule um 
um, you know, anywhere from like age two. I probably wouldn't bring that in much earlier than than 20 months or so. Um, and this would be more so, especially if there's some gallbladder insufficiency or we're seeing like cyclical vomiting syndrome where the child's vomiting, frequently following foods. This kid definitely needs to be tested with the MRT test. It could be like an FPIs type of response. And we would give them the, the digest aid so that the foods they're consuming are less inflammatory and easier to absorb. Digest aid is um, one that you could sprinkle on food. I've had parents do that on their plate um, or just on a single bite. Um, but about a half capsule would work and then that full capsule would be fine, you know, anytime we get really over like a 40 pound range. So once the child turns four or five, that's when then they could do a full capsule worth and they can work up even, you know, using a capsule throughout their day um, or multiple capsules throughout the day at meal times. Okay, and then probiotics really across the board, starting in infancy, um, maybe we wouldn't give them a full targeted strength probiotic as their first introduction. But I mean, I was using Rebuild Spectrum opened into Noah's bottles, like starting at three months because he was dealing with some cradle cap and some skin issues. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then relax and regulate is another one that could be used as early as, you know, eight, nine months, something like that. Um, We would just adjust the dosage. So the relax and regulate, we would bring down to like a a third of a scoop and then maybe a half a scoop, especially if a child is dealing with constipation, Mm -hmm. um, that would be be absolutely appropriate. And that could be mixed into tart cherry juice or diluted um, apple juice. We would just want to really keep it a higher water ratio. And, And generally, we only do that in about like two to three ounces of liquid as is so maybe it's a half ounce of juice two and a half ounce of um, water and then that half scoop of the relax and regulate sure Um, and then our stool test would be appropriate for children too in terms of an investigative lab yes and that's the only scenario really where i would use antimicrobial antifungal and cleanse like agents so generally we're not using the berberine boost or the herbal immune or the gi reset on children but when we are dealing with again Crohn's ulcerative colitis or something really dynamic going on and we actually see evidence of pathogenic overgrowth then that gives us the you know information and confidence that it's worth doing a harsher formula Um, but there can be increased cramping just like anything when you're resetting the gut there can be some increased drama and so we do generally try to wait till about age eight or so to use these formulas but I have used them clinically as early as age four or five if we have diagnostic criteria to support it and then that gets really strategic in the weight per kilogram because you want to be mindful of not overburdening the child's liver Um, so those are really kind of like a last line of defense and I would probably push for MRT even though again the collection might be not as much fun doing the blood draw versus a stool collection on a child but the outcomes and the interventions of the lifestyle of changing their diet probably more appropriate in in PDs. Yeah. Um, And for children, um, we could do like caprylic acid capsules. I feel more confident probably with that versus like them getting the berberine into them just because of having to like crush the tablets and mix that in. Yeah. Um, And And I've done that with much younger children as well. I have too. A little more gentle. And, And I probably would, you know, go down from the excellent berberine boost that we offer, which is that synergistic formula that you can't get over the counter and just do a berberine capsule yeah, from like Whole Foods yeah, yeah. with coconut oil if I had to. But again, yeah. that would really only be if I'm seeing evidence of need. Um, so as far as like age of doing the beat the bloat cleanse, like I said, eight, eight years old is really the age that I say, 
of our formulas. And at that age, we really do want them to be able to swallow pills because the berberine boost tablets are quite bitter. Um, even if uh-huh. you let them just sit in your tongue, oh, you yeah. can half them and swallow them for sure. But the herbal immune is a gel capsule. And so that really can't be broken down in any way specifically. Yeah. We were talking about <laughs> prior to recording, like, could you pierce it and open the gel? And like, I mean, there's liquid forms of, of oil of oregano that could also potentially be utilized right. in, in smaller dosage. But again, I would work with a qualified practitioner and yeah. have the data in front of you if the kiddo is younger than eight. Yeah. And with eight, you know, we're generally assuming that they're over 60 pounds mm-hmm. or around that 60 pound mark. And that's, again, generally we can start to use close to adult like dosing. Sure. But um, all things at that level, I would, I would do that specifically with a practitioner. Yep. All right, let's do this one. Reasons why I get so constipated and bloated with probiotics. I well, have an idea. <laughs> it sounds like you failed the probiotic challenge uh-huh. without knowing you did it. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, often when you get a, um, I'm trying to think of the word of lack of improvement, a disimprovement, that's not a word either, a decline. Yeah, <laughs> often when you get a decline from bringing in a probiotic, that is a strong indicator of dysbiosis. That's like there's a bad army that is set up in your gut and you try to bring in some good troops and you just created an atom bomb battle. Uh, so the good gut bacteria is creating more drama and that is a strong indicator that you need to plow that gut and reset the playing field so that that good flora can be accepted again. So that means that you need to beat the bloat cleanse for sure, Jennifer, and that means that you should join us in our live program. Absolutely. Okay, how about this one? Would your beat the bloat cleanse cure very bad constipation that relies on magnesium oxide? Yes. So, you know, this is often one of the first interventions we bring in for chronic constipation, especially if a probiotic challenge, sometimes a probiotic challenge doesn't give us that you know, definite fail, which is is what we saw with the last question, but maybe the probiotic challenge was just neutral. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you upped your probiotics, you didn't see an improvement of bowel motility because that's the first place I would start, you know, is let's start with the probiotic challenge. If bringing up your good gut bacteria increases bowel motility, all the better. We know that the microbiome is, you know, 50 to 80% of the influence of our stool. So if your fecal matter is 50 to 80% comprised of microbiome influence, then starting with the impact of microbiome would be far superior and more upstream or, you know, working at that root cause versus the magnesium oxide, which is basically just creating an osmotic like bomb going off to break up fecal mass and release. Uh So you're still not resolving the why, you're just getting the stool out at that point with the mag oxide. And that's why I'm not a fan of magnesium oxide. It's not very bioavailable. We much prefer that magnesium bisglycinate form that is in our relax and regulate. This is going to be more neuromodulation muscularly supportive to aid in the peristalsis or the pumping of the digestive tract without driving potential electrolyte and large intestine imbalance because when we use that mag oxide we can also throw off our vitamin k levels our biotin our b12 there's so many nutrients that are actually manufactured and absorbed in the colon and we see that chronic constipation as an indicator of imbalance in the microbiome and definitely as an indicator then of likely the nutrient deficiency that the probacteria would support. So if you did the probiotic challenge and you upped it and nothing improved, then I would just go in there and plow at it. If you're thinking of like, you know, a buildup of a dam, 
using the beat the bloat cleanse is really going to play a big role in plowing and breaking down that dysbiosis and that's going to be a big key we also would look at things like stress so that's where again that dual impact of the relax and regulate we know that the sympathetic fight or flight overdrive can slow or put the paralysis the peristalsis into paralysis mode where it's like kind of like deer in headlights in your gut um, and that can greatly impact the movement of fecal matter we know that we want to consider once we get that bacteria balance on track did we have enough fiber um, to make prebiotics to feed the probiotic flora? Um, fiber can aid as a binder and a broom, um, but without ample hydration, it could also be a brick. So we want to make sure that this individual is drinking enough and that they also have electrolytes. So sometimes just drinking water with chronic constipation isn't enough. But when we layer in electrolytes, like I had um, someone doing our, we can add the YouTube video, that electrolyte beverage that mm-hmm. we did with the relax and regulate with the lemon and the lime, um, because that drives more bile flow. So you're yep. getting that biliary liver gallbladder flow and that pushes fecal matter. So that's a really great kind of mocktail beverage to support chronic constipation. Um, but big picture, the big thing that I would look at is doing the beat the bloat cleanse to really reset because again most of your stool is comprised of microbiome impact yeah and just one add on there um if you do the cleanse and you find you're not getting dynamic movement like you're weak two in and you're still pretty constipated um, I would layer on our GI reset formula yes. to really help kind of break things through or you could do that you know if you've done beat the bloat before and it didn't quite do it for you you could do it from the get-go as well with with chronic constipation that's a really helpful formula in that department and I also wouldn't be shy of like using more than the one to two scoops of relax and regulate that yes. we say to use on the website like this is one that I have some clients who are weaning off mag oxide or mag citrate have to go up to like three or four scoops yes. you know in an evening and and really no shame in that game it's not going to be an issue even if you have to do that longer term yes and I'd also add that this is kind of one of the big benefits within again this beat the bloat live program is like okay you can say because has susan done that already you know and then what else is there beyond that well maybe we want to do a ginger shooter every morning like there's those Mm -hmm. core shots which have ginger with cayenne and black pepper so we know that ginger is an anti-emetic meaning you know it's non-nausea it aids with um you know if we're dealing with vomiting or like we think of like first trimester pregnancy all of the ginger it's an anti-emetic it's also an anti-spasmodic but it does support and there's a lot of studies that show for chronic constipation because it still supports good peristalsis so there's ways to kind of stimulate the bowel with warming foods, with spice, um, with herb seasonings and lifestyle and diet interventions that can continue as you're upping your relax and regulate. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, How about this one? I've heard Allie talk about the gut serotonin connection, but would the beat the bloat cleanse help with depression, anxiety, and panic attacks? Okay. Love this question. So yes. um, And it's important to note as you're doing the beat the bloat cleanse, 
sometimes things can get a little bit more stressful in the process. So when we're talking about the gut-brain access, we know that about 80 to 90% of our serotonin is manufactured in our gut and that this is a great influence of that inhibitory, mellowing out, antidepressant, anti-anxiety, mood-stabilizing neurotransmitter. We know that if we're in a dysbiosis state, so if there's bacterial overgrowth from a form of pathogen in the gut or yeast overgrowth or any form of dysbiosis, the gut, instead of manufacturing serotonin and GABA, creates higher amounts of epinephrine or adrenaline. So your gut actually is making the fight or flight chemical telling your body as an alarm bell that things aren't right. And this is where we can see a huge connection of panic attack or anxiety, or even just a chronic low burnout that we can see with depression. So it could be the lack of production or that dysbiosis that has a huge impact on mental health. And when we're going through a beat the bloat cleanse, there can be a slight response of a Herxheimer reaction, which Herxheimer reaction is really seeing how things can get worse before they get better. And we can link that whole episode. We did a whole Herxheimer reaction uh, podcast episode. And within this, and this is another kind of benefit of the program here, um, you know, I have had people that are dealing with severe anxiety, depression, panic attacks, where I will supplement them with 5-HTP, yeah. um, which is the precursor to make serotonin because as we're plowing the gut, they're maybe not getting that manufacturing plant. And so we're working to resolve from the root cause while we're giving them that bell um, response of the serotonin. We also would bring in higher amounts of calm and clear for this individual so that we are harnessing that epinephrine adrenaline response that could be keying up during this gut cleanse. We also would be definitely ensuring that this person has GABA calm on hand so that they're chewing that easy, quick de- release of GABA, which is that landing gear for that fight or flight response. And we're going to make sure that this individual is able to rest during the time of the cleanse. They're not maybe taking on a new job or other big influencing factors that would upregulate that survival fight or flight response. We're even going to watch the type of exercise that they have. We want them moving, but we don't want them doing any new HIIT training or excessive fasting, anything that's going to be an additional stressor so that their body can kind of ride the waves. And once they get to that week four, halfway mark of the six-week beat the bloat cleanse, that's when we start to layer in and bring back in the good gut flora. And that's often when we start to see the amazing turnkey results. Yes. I want to read actually um, a testimonial from one of my clients about her son who recently um, did the cleanse. So she's done it and then she got him to do it. For me, Beat the Bloat stopped me from seeing five doctors, two of which were GI docs, plus eliminating brain fog, which has positively impacted my work and personal life. Two years of me practicing food as medicine, it came to a point with my college-age son to do something about his struggle with depression and anxiety as it had escalated from his high school years. At the beginning of his finer, final semester, uh, final semester, excuse me, he decided to do Beat the Bloat himself. One month later, he came into my office stating his depression was almost gone. Two months later, gone. He even made the dean's list. Now thriving in the workplace, I can't help but sit here with tears of gratitude for Allie and Becky. You two women have changed my world. Oh, I love that. I'm going to cry. It's on the website. (laughs) That's so wonderful. So So wonderful. Yes. It's real. It happens. It works. 
Yeah. Yeah. So even if you're not coming into this thinking there's dysbiosis going on, you know, there can be so many other reasons to do this cleanse. Exactly. So maybe not feeling any digestive disturbances at all, but there is that huge brain gut connection. So if you need any retooling of brain chemistry, it's a great place again, to make sure that your microbiome is working for you. And the only way to do that is to push the reset button. Totally. All right, let's do this one from Amber. Does poor gut health cause rosacea? If so, how to fix it? So poor gut health has a role in most forms of dermatitis, and rosacea is no exception. There was a large clinical study in Denmark, and they found a high number of adults with rosacea also had gastrointestinal disorders such as celiac disease, irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease, and small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So in this study, they actually split individuals into a standard of care and then an experimental cohort. And in the standard of care, they were given an antibiotic for seven days, as well as some vitamins and unlisted specifically, uh, antihistamine and topical permethrin a permethrin, which is an, a topical antibacterial. And the second group, which was the experimental, received all of that standard of care. And then they were given a probiotic that had bifidobacterium. And this was given at three times a day. It was 50 colony forming units. And they also received an immunomodulator for 21 days. And we saw the results that the experimental group saw better clinical outcomes. Um, They had 56.7% complete remission versus 28.3. There were also more in the experimental group that received a significant improvement, so maybe not complete remission, but did receive significant improvement. And then when there was notes of minimal improvement, this was seen higher at 24.7 versus 5% in those that had the control group versus those that were in the experimental. Yes. And and this goes for all skin conditions. Like you said, we always say that the skin is an outer reflection of what's going on in the gut. And over on that Beat the Bloat program page, we have probably our best like visual testimonial of this program to date, Um, a client who had pretty severe cystic jawline and neck acne um, really disappear over doing an eight-week cleanse. Yes. And this is why dermatologists, excuse me, always often, excuse me, will prescribe a topical antibacterial or an oral antibiotic. And as we know, again, it's kind of a band-aid where they're not resolving and giving the good gut flora. And so then that will create further imbalances down the line. All right, let's do this one from Anonymous. What color should my poop be? Oh, this is a fun one. <laughs> we always talk about the Bristol scale and, and stool right, formation right. Uh, with color the scaling, scale? but color scale matters. So, you know, your feces color is commonly brown. And when the color changes, um, you know, this can be due to various areas of imbalance. We think of the presence of bilirubin in the bile, which is a breakdown of the hemoglobin in your red blood cells. And these are normally destroyed after a useful um, life of the red blood cell, which is several weeks. And generally, this plays a big role in in that brown color. Uh, Bilirubin concentration can vary from a light yellow to almost black. And changes in chemical structure of our bilirubin can cause the stool to turn green or yellow. 
yellow stool is often going to be seen if there is a reduction in the amount of bilirubin produced by the liver. So we think of that also, another way of saying this would be like low bile flow, okay? So yellow stool will often also tend to be kind of floatier or less dense. And um, this is an individual that we'd want to stimulate liver support. So we'd want to think about doing the 10-day detox. We'd want to think about incorporating the Reset, Restore, Renew detox packs for this individual to aid in that biliary support. Um, we're also looking in this individual to bring in the digestate enzyme, which has that ox bile in there that's going to aid in supporting that biliary function. We know that bacteria and digestive enzymes in the intestine can act and change on color. So if we see a black stool, often black stools are going to be an indicator of iron. And um, this can be an indicator of um, a condition where there was some bleeding. And this would typically be bleeding more in the upper or smaller intestine um, because once it's turned black, that, that's created much oxidation through that process. Um, we can also see blacker stool if an individual is um, having high iron in their um, supplement strategy. So maybe they're taking higher amounts of iron pills um, because they had anemia or um, we can also see this with use of Pepto-Bismol or forms of bismuth containing medications. So if you're on Pepto um, because you're dealing with heartburn or reflux or digestive issues, this could drive that, that deeper stool, which we would say probably better to go on GI lining support and then really get an indicator of your true bowel color to make sure you can screen or know if you should be concerned for blood in the stool essentially. Okay, so black stools um, bleeding higher up. Red stools would be likely the lower part of the intestine, correct? Yes, and these could be like maroon in color completely, or we can see actual blood or mucus. And blood and mucus would usually be seen if there is, you know, a fissure mm -hmm. or more of a colon type injury or inflammatory response, um, like we could see with Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. Um, if there's lower parts of the intestines and the colon um, that are are bleeding, we often would see this as um, an impact in the stool. And um, I would say to note, if you're seeing like a true maroon stool where it's all homogenous or close to a similar color, um, you may want to screen your diet to make sure you didn't have beets yeah. um, or, you know, any amounts, I would hope not high amounts of red 40, but, um, you know, cranberry pigment, um, anything that's really high in the anthocyanins. Um, beets are the biggest one though, where I often will hear individuals, you know, maybe aren't used to eating beets and they make a couple recipes in my cookbook and maybe have beets for lunch and dinner and then they're urine is also going to be pigmented uh -huh, and uh -huh. their stool. Like, oh my God, am I dying? Yes. <laughs> <No>. So, um, <laughs> you know, often if there is bleeding in the larger intestine, you're going to actually see true blood. And, sure. and you might even see, again, if there's a fissure or like rectal um, area of inflammatory response, you'll see, of course, blood upon wiping. Uh-huh. Yep. And for those individuals, GI lining would be a fabulous and, and really necessary tool to help to repair and heal ulceration. Yes. And if there was bleeding going on, I would run a stool test before mm -hmm. I'd go into a gut cleanse because we don't want to create any more abrasion. Yep. I would definitely lead with both the MRT test and the stool test if there is blood um, because we want to really resolve what's caught that that's more of a severe consideration. Um, while we're waiting, yes, the GI lining support at like three to four scoops daily. And then you could even do CBD suppositories mm -hmm. as a way to calm down and reduce the inflammation in that area to be cooling and anti-inflammatory. Okay. What about like gray clay colored stool? 
Yeah. So that's often if there's not enough bile. So I would kind of approach that similar to the yellow stool where mm-hmm. we're looking to ensure that we're supporting detoxification. Um, you know, we're really looking to ensure that that digestate with that ox bile is going to be supportive. If it continues and is quite chronically pale, we would be concerned about a biliary obstruction. Now you would see in a comprehensive metabolic panel elevated areas of concern there in the blood. Um, so it wouldn't have to go in right away for a scan type thing but we would want to kind of screen to make sure that there's not a bile duct tumor or dynamic gallstone in the duct or or, or pancreatic blockage because um, we can see that with more of the, the true gray anemic looking stool. Um, but generally detox packs, doing the 10-day detox and digestate enzyme is a big area to focus on there. And then beyond like the yellow stool and gray stool, I kind of in that family think of blonde stool as another term. And we often see blonde stool with steatorrhea or fat malabsorption. Um, We would see this with also, again, gallbladder insufficiency, pancreatic insufficiency, so same thing, that digestate enzyme and the detox support. But it can also be an indicator of candida, candidiasis, or yeast overgrowth in the body, as well as dysbiosis. So watching for those floating stools and the stool that is, um, you know, less formed, more flaky, or more cowpile-y, and it has that lighter color. I know this is getting delightful, guys. Um, And it has that lighter color. Um, that's often an indicator to go in then and do that beat the bloat cleanse because the berberine uh, boost and the herbal immune will also not only kill off that bacterial imbalance or or yeast imbalance in the body, it's going to also support optimal digestive function and that biliary flow, especially that berberine boost, a lot of biliary support in that organ grape root that we have in there. All right. I think we've covered most of the color spectrum. What about green? Okay. You said this is what's going on with Noah, right? Um, yeah. yeah Post-gut bug. Um, yes. He's got some greenish poops and I'm not, I'm like, it's something, something's coming out. Well, and it can also though, again, be foods, right? Like, right. The, so right. like often if I'm doing like green smoothie and a kale salad in a day, sure. which is unlike yeah, yeah. me typically, but I've had it happen. Um, and, and then you might even see like upon wiping, you know, there's more of like a green brown stool color sure. because there's yeah. just a lot of phytocompounds in what you just consumed. So always check with green for, you know, how much greens are you having? Um, but we often see green stool when the stool is passing the intestines rapidly. So yes, like a gut bug, diarrhea, um, there's just not enough time for the bilirubin to undergo its typical chemical changes. And this is where we can see that greenish hue from the rapid transit. So this is where maybe we'd go back again into that rebuild spectrum, our whole kind of diarrhea protocol. And if you were an adult, that's where I'd still bring in that berberine boost for sure. All right, I think we can transition from poop color into <laughs> more poop questions. Yes. We should just call this all about poop. Um, possible reasons for diarrhea after coffee. Well, so caffeine itself is a GI stimulant. And so, you know, this is going to speed up that peristalsis or the contractions of how food moves through our digestive tract. So by speeding up the transit time, this can create diarrhea, stomach cramping, and loose stool. So the first thing to check in is, you know, how much coffee is this person drinking? Um, Are they adding MCT oil to their coffee? Because MCT definitely I've seen driving a lot of uh, loose stools, especially if there's like a product that has non-caloric sweeteners with like erythritol. Mm -hmm. We always make that joke about sugar alcohols because we know that they aren't metabolized. So sugar alcohols will drive quite chronic diarrhea. So that's a big thing to screen for as well. Um, And then, you know, checking in on 
if uh, you hold coffee, if another caffeinated item still does the same response. Um, so maybe like doing green tea as a replacement and then also playing with pros and cons of adding collagen. I've seen for many people just adding collagen is enough of a little bit of a buffer to their sure. coffee, mm-hmm. um, but not a bowel stimulant like maybe heavy cream or coconut oil or butter could be more of a lubricant stimulant. So just maybe adding collagen to your coffee and maybe doing like a half-calf or diluting the intensity of the caffeine or that impact. And then if it, it could also potentially be, and we've seen this on MRT. Yep. I've had two people this year already that had coffee as a red and they've had remarkable, like they're like, I feel like a new human. I can't believe that I was abusing myself with coffee for 20 years. And here I am, my body's intolerant to it. And now I feel sustained energy. And now my gut is on track and my skin isn't breaking out. I mean, you can see so much based on that individualized inflammatory response. Yeah. I feel like I see coffee quite frequent or caffeine um, and then we have to pull coffee anyway and and more often than not there's like a conversation where it's like okay we can do this like you can do anything for six months and, yes. and more often than not they're getting fabulous outcomes yes for sure all right does candida cause toenail fungus i feel like it doesn't ever go away so I have seen absolutely outcomes of doing the beat the bloat cleanse. So doing a cleanse for candida and dysbiosis to be a way to eradicate toenail fungus, but it doesn't happen overnight because it takes a year and a half to grow a toenail, right? So we can start to see some improvement right away. And for this individual, you'd probably want to pulse the beat the bloat cleanse like three times in a year or at least semi-annually. And you can also keep the berberine boost ongoing, maybe at one twice daily versus the full four dosage, and then keeping that frequency of two to three times a year of doing the cleanse. You could do some foot soaks. So you could do apple cider vinegar in a dilution and and soak the feet. Colloidal silver, um, I've had really good outcomes with. Um, And then even ozonated oils. um, There's one called Pure O3, which could be very beneficial. And then um, like tea tree oil also as an application, which can be mixed with coconut oil and applied and um, wrapped uh, as a way to address that as well. Yes. Yep. Just takes some patience, I think, for that whole nail to really grow out. But that Puro 3, I used that topically for Noah when he had his cradle cap and it is really helpful. And I think they have um, formulas that are specifically like made for nails as well. Okay. Definitely check that out. Athletes feet too have seen great outcomes with the Beat the Bloat Cleanse. Yep. How can I tell if a supplement is a probiotic or a prebiotic? Okay, so a probiotic is going to have a strain name and a genius and a species. Ideally, the strain will be specifically broken down. Like for our products, we have the Lactobacillus acidophilus NCFM, which is that, you know, strain ID specificity or the Bifidobacterium lactis BI07 specifically. Um, So that is going to be a probiotic. That is a living organism, if you will. And we know that our probacteria outnumber the cells in our body 10 to 1. So important to know that when you're purchasing a probiotic, it's third-party tested. You're getting what you're purchasing and what you're putting in the tank is going to work to support the cellular function of your body. Pretty crazy. Now, prebiotics are thought of as food sources for your probacteria or fuel source, if you will. And prebiotics will often be found in the diet. Many people don't require prebiotic supplementation. And so that's why we strategically ensure that all of our probiotic strains and formulas are 
prebiotic free because we don't want to add in things like fructooligosaccharide, which is also seen on a label as FOS, or inulin, or um, galactooligosaccharides, GOS. These are prebiotic names of resistant starches, essentially. So we can see things like um, the compounds in Jerusalem artichokes, or we can see asparagus as a great form of a prebiotic, or banana, or garlic, or the whole alien family of your onions and your your shallots and leeks. Um, These prebiotic fibers, we can often get amply in the diet when you're following a food as medicine protocol. And these are often the things that have to be removed from individuals that have SIBO or chronic dysbiosis because their body's fermenting that fuel from the bad bacteria overgrowth and making more drama versus supporting the flourishing of the good. So when we do our Beat the Bloat cleanse, we keep prebiotics moderate in the beginning and then we really ramp up and emphasize them once we're in that bacterial rebuild mode when we want to feed the good guys now that we've reseeded the playing field. Yes, and if you can't tell if something off the shelf is a prebiotic or a probiotic, they're probably not stating their live active cultures or that CFU colony forming units on there or not being clear about what their product is. So probably maybe, don't take maybe it. Maybe buy ours instead. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. <laughs> yep. Okay, this one from Jenny. What to do after gallbladder removal? Okay, so you'll be told that you need to stay on a low-fat diet and everything's going to be fine. But we know that fat is so important for brain health, for hormone health, for cellular function, you name it, as well as satiety and so much more. So we don't want you going on a low-fat diet. We want you supporting your body in the absorption of fat and not having loose fatty stools. So likely if you've had your gallbladder removed, you're going to be on a lifetime of the digestate enzymes. And that's okay. That's going to give you that ox bile because you don't have your bile storage tank in your gallbladder. You're also going to get in the digestate DPP-4, which is going to help to break down the inflammatory components of gluten and dairy. So great insurance policy if we are having casein sensitivity, which is a protein in dairy, or um, if we're trying to avoid gluten, but there's gluten in a restaurant and there's cross-contamination. We also in our digestate have a suite of enzymes that support the breakdown of carbs, proteins, and fats, including lipase, which breaks down the lipids or fats. And that's a really essential player from our pancreatic enzyme suite that's especially important if we're lacking a gallbladder. So I would say get going with the digestate. You'd take this one to two capsules prior to all meals, and then you can slowly start to ramp your fat up to tolerance. Um, And then if you're still having some loose stools, you could bring in the phytofiber to aid as a binder. And if you're feeling disruption in your digestion and inflammation at all, especially if it's directly post-op, I would definitely bring in the GI lining support to kind of coat that house, if you will, or the the foundation of the gut and soothe it. Yes, because you don't have that bile storage tank anymore. The bile kind of just like drips a little bit willy-nilly into the stomach. And a lot of times that can cause more um, GI distress or like wear and tear over time for sure. So GI lining for sure. Because yes, bile is a buffer for your hydrochloric acid in your stomach. Yes. All right. Do I need my physician to diagnose candida? So no, and in fact, most physicians will be like, I don't know what that is. Right, right. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there are blood tests through LabCorp and Quest, you know, I mean, standard labs in the States, and they can test for candida antibodies, but that's not going to be diagnostic to presence. You could have antibody elevation from 
successful recovery from a cleanse. Um, really the best way to diagnose candida would be from a stool test to see it present in your body. Um, but really we go by the candida quiz, which is enough indicator and information and or a failed probiotic challenge. Again, we'll link that dysbiosis and candida quiz in the show notes. So if you fail that, that's enough of an indicator. And the beauty with doing it in our beat the bloat cleanse versus taking, let's say diflucan, um, which would be the standard of care for a yeast infection or candidiasis, they're going to put you on an antifungal. Well, diflucan over long term can really impact liver health. Whereas when we do the beat the bloat cleanse, we're getting such benefit of supporting biliary and liver function. We're getting benefit of combating uterine fibroids. We're getting benefit of bringing blood sugar levels under control. We're getting benefit of progesterone level optimization. So there's so much synergy in the beat the bloat cleanse that it would be fine to do provigilantly, even if you weren't to fail, just to again, harness and reset the microbiome in the gut. But it's going to be effective enough to fight candida. And if you have an indicator of that, it will do the trick. All right. How about this one? What's the deal with raw carrots for estrogen dominance? Is it just to help me poop? Okay, so this is one that I didn't know about Becky, and it's you like, pulled the information like the, on. Like so bean, give, me, give me the we've talked deets. about it. Um, we've talked about the bean protocol at yes, some point. It's yes. similar to that in terms of there's a trend going around of um, like raw carrot salad. So, well, I, I'm on board with that. Like shaving carrot and adding some parsley or mint. Sure. I mean, that could be wonderful and delicious as a side dish. Okay. Um, I think the deal is that carrots are a good source of insoluble fiber, okay. which is going to help to bind and excrete excessive estrogen from the body. Yes. But it's not like some miraculous. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I think carrots in the diet, but it doesn't have to be just carrots as your only source of, of fiber. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's there, just kind of a trendy thing. Yeah. Right now. I mean, the, the, Colon is, as we talked about in the, you know, good and bad side of estrogen episodes a couple weeks back now, you know, the colon is a big area where especially with, um, you know, lower fecal motility or constipation, we tend to see estrogen dominance because we know that stagnation in the bowels will lead to increased estrogen levels circulating in our body. Um, Estrogen is meant to be excreted and um, reabsorbed in the bile. And so we've seen a 50% increase in fecal bile acid and fat excretion among substance who did have the raw carrots at breakfast. And um, that did suggest a shift in the bacterial flora. So it's more about that estrobolome and using that insoluble fiber or that prebiotic, if you will, to feed the good gut flora and to aid as a binder to aid in bowel motility to excrete estrogen versus that reabsorption pathway. Um, You could also consider using our phytofiber, which would be a great thing that you could add into like a yogurt parfait. Um, You know, you could do yogurt as like a dressing, I guess, on a carrot salad too. Sure, why not? (laughs) Um, But the phytofiber has carrot fiber in it. So again, our phytofiber in our line has food sources of fiber, including um, like cranberry skin uh, or cranberry seed, I believe is what's in there. And um, this provides phyto compounds or antioxidants along with fiber. Um, So it aids as both that binding and excreter and that can also help with you know lipid regulation or cholesterol regulation and just detox support in general so I don't have a problem with that but I would just say I'm not sure I haven't looked into this carrot diet thing and I'm assuming as long as like that's an ad and then not like eating carrots only and not getting protein yeah I don't think that's it I think it's more you have them for breakfast or maybe twice daily which you know in theory could work and be fine you might get 
board of carrots or your palms might turn orange yep. but you know yeah it could work or just incorporate other whole food forms of, of fiber yes. as well absolutely uh, all right last question and i feel like this one was just teed up for us because i know the answer that you're gonna say thanks mom to go <laughs> that was the handle that submitted yep. this one yep best way to reset your gut microbiome to healthy um, Duh. <laughs> join the Beat the Blow program, obviously. Uh, yeah, you know, again, this is a great way to, like I've actually said verbatim, push the reset button on your microbiome. Um, you know, in this program, we're going to cover so much, even touching on SIBO and resistant infections. We're going to talk about cortisol and the bloating connection there. So are you cleansing something that's more related to your adrenals? What's up with biofilms and how do we break into them? So when there's resistance as far as bacterial balance and or getting to the root of their dysbiosis, we're going to talk about detox and die-off support, how to re-inoculate your gut with good flora, um, balancing your probiotics with prebiotics, and lifestyle ways to maintain your results. So, you know, that all within the Beat the Bloat Cleanse bundle is the best way to push the reset button. And um, again, the bundle has the Berberine Boost, the Herbal Immune, the GI Cleanup, um, which is really the one that I would use for children as an entry one if we're suspecting dysbiosis, and then that ultimate detox to ensure we're taking out the trash. Um, but I hope you all will join us in just a week or so on April 6th for the first ever live Beat the Bloat program. Again, it's only $65 for all three live classes, the access in the chat forum, and I hope that today's episode gave you a little bit of a nudge of how this Beat the Bloat cleanse could really have an impact on your overall health and quality of life. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.